underwear. Delightful little chip forward. San Jose, the covering player for Mark McGee. Huge winning in the middle. Good evening and welcome to episode 96 of the By The Minute AFC podcast. My name is Martin Clunas, I'm your host for this week. Joining me we have two very special guests. We've also got joining us as always, Richard Hayes here. How are you doing Richard? Hi Martin, I'm fine thanks. Good stuff. We've also got uh, Martin Stone joining us this week. How are you doing Martin? Alright, not too bad Martin, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on again. No problem at all. And we also have photographer to the stars, those stars of course being the Aberdeen football players. Scott Baxter, how are you doing Scott? Done with the flu, but apart from that, I'm grand. <laughs> well, well, we'll come to that in a few minutes. Um, there's certainly, certainly something to talk to talk about there. So we're gonna, we've got a packed show for you tonight. Um, we're going to talk about the game against Dundee. We're going to preview Partick. We've got the unveiling of a new feature called McMastermind. So we'll see how that goes. But we're going to start right off with uh, talking about the game from Saturday afternoon against Dundee. We had a, a, an almost unchanged lineup. Changed lineup. Richard Ryan Christie stepped back in. Now you looked at the you look at the bench where you have Stuart Rooney, Arneson, Wright, Maynard, and Stockley all available. Were you surprised that there was only one change? We'd uh, spent the podcast last week talking about the great options available to us up front and how we might expect to see a lot more rotation this year rather than one single favoured eleven. Well, of course, as he quite often does, Derek McInnes turned that on his head by pretty much going with what looks like it may well now be a settled, a more settled eleven. Stevie May, I think, is going to play most weeks uh, if he's fit. I, I think, given the money that's been spent on him, given the uh, belief that McInnes clearly has in him, I think he's going to play week in, week out. And, of course, there's a question mark as to where that leaves guys like Adam Rooney and some of the other striking options. Out wide, I think you want to keep stretching teams, so I think it's understandable that Gary Mackay-Stevens plays. The question mark is over Ryan Christie, played out wide left of a three. Uh, and I think it was a three. I've seen some other people online suggesting it was more a 4-4-1-1, but I don't think McLean was pushed quite that far forward. Again, Ryan Christie had a very poor game, I think we have to acknowledge that. But him being shunted out wide is not where I want to see him on a football park. Especially if it's been to accommodate someone who once again didn't have any sort of impact on the game and Kenny McLean. Now, Martin, we're gonna. I want to talk ask talk about the defence as well. There, um, obviously, Arneson's on the bench. Me and Richard have banged on about this till the cows come home about how the defence isn't settled and there's there's something needs to be done there. It really isn't working with O'Connor and Reynolds together, is it? No, no. I mean, it's uh, the ongoing problem that we've got there. Every time Dundee came forward on Saturday, it was uh, we looked. You know, we just didn't look as though we knew what we were doing. Uh, communication looked slack. Uh, centre backs were getting pulled around all over the place again. I think the, the main thing for me that Arneson's been brought in to do is try and bring a bit of stability back there, you know, kind of organise it a bit better. So long term, I think he's he's got to be one of the one of the centre halves. Whether he'll stick with a you know left and a right sided centre half and have Reynolds and Arneson, um, that would probably be my favourite uh, combination at the moment. But uh, saying that, O'Connor's probably looked the uh, you know the more kind of liable of the of the two uh, Reynolds and, and O'Connor so far. So. Uh, yeah, still a bit of work to do to get that settled. I think uh, the issue with Arneson is that he's 
he's definitely lacking that a lot of match sharpness at the moment. It was it was obvious in the last game he looked so far off the pace it was unbelievable. So um, it's probably going to take him a, a bit of time to, to get up to speed. But uh, yeah, I think it needs to be it needs to be sorted sooner rather than later because when we when we start playing the you know the, the teams a bit higher up the league, I think that uh, you know defensive frailty could be could be exposed. I think what I will say to take the shift the blame slightly off just the two guys in that position. I think there has been a change and it comes in our transition play. Last year when we had Ryan Jack, Ryan Jack would be the pivot and uh, when we had the ball, Ryan Jack would be the one that would go in between the centre halves and make it a three at the back and allow the full backs to push further on. I think what's happened this year, it's a bit more lopsided. I think Andy Considine is the man who comes across to make it a three and Shea Logan pushes on from right back and I think we're having difficulty adjusting to that. Quite a lot of difficulty it would seem. Now, I don't know whether the answer is perhaps to go back to a system where we have a more traditional centre, a defensive-minded centre midfielder there. Again, on Saturday, we had issues in midfield. So you can't say that that part of the team is fixed either. Yeah, no, I would agree with you there, Richard. I think the, the uh, Andy Considine issue is, gonna, is becoming more and more apparent. He's struggling a bit there in the first few games of the season without, uh, without Hayes in front of him to... To give him that little bit more protection. Mackay Stephen definitely doesn't want to be coming back as much, or, or Christie, whoever's playing on that left hand side. So, uh, Considine definitely has looked a bit more exposed there as well, as I say. So, I think work, work all around will be done in the defence. Whether Tansy can be the man to, to, to you know, do the, the jack roll, I suppose, and drop back into the, the defence, um, I'm not sure that's really that much a part of his game. So, you may even be looking at Arneson in, in centre mid at, at some point. You know, he's, he's played there before, obviously. Uh, you might be the one to kind of give us that defensive shield a bit more at the, the centre halves, but certainly need to do something. You know, the likes of when we come up against Celtic and uh, some of the uh, teams that will come on us a bit more. I think we, we will be exposed if we if we keep going the way we're going at the moment. No, it's definitely not part of Greg Tansy's game, and I don't want to see it be part of Greg Tansy's game either. Tansy built his success in Inverness and getting forward, getting into shooting positions and being able to contribute quite a few goals to the team. We, we talked at the very first uh, couple of podcasts this season about Andy Considine having to adjust the way he plays because he doesn't have Johnny Hayes in front of him. Uh, he doesn't just need to do that in an attacking sense, you know, and he's not the only one. I think the whole team is having to adjust to lots of little subtle tactical changes which are being implemented to accommodate the new players and also the fact uh, that obviously some key guys have moved on. And we'll talk about the, the opening goal in a minute. Let's just say either side of that, Dundee had two pretty good chances. James Vincent threw away a, a really, really good chance after a pretty suicidal Mark Reynolds back pass. And then Marcus Head, Marcus Haber, sorry, headed the ball against the crossbar. When we had Dundee fan Jamie on the podcast last week, Scott, he spoke to us about how Dundee just weren't capable of converting their chances, and that really was the story of their day, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it really was. But um, I'll say this: if there's ever a time where I'm, I'm shouting to myself or the back of my camera, it's been recently when a, a big cross comes in. I'm, I'm not as confident as say I was last season that would would get rid of that. They really could have. They really could have done this, and I. I I just, I just think this this defence needs more time to gel, and I would like to see Arnis and and, um, and O'Connor personally see how that works out. But there's just something not sitting right right now. I'll say that Dundee had four big chances, and three of them came directly from our errors, which is pretty unforgivable from our point of view. 
Yeah, that was that was one thing. It was clear on Saturday that uh, you know normally you've got maybe one or two players that are having a, an off day, but it was uh, players all over the park were, were not up to their usual standards. It was slack passes all over the place, as well as Christie being a bit off kind of colour. Shane was was poor as well. He, he had a few slack passes, a few times he would try to drive on with the ball when he should have taken an easy option. I think really we were lucky to come away with it. The three points, I suppose, they always say it's a, a mark of a good team when you can, you know, you've got as many players not playing at the top of their game and you, you still get the three points. But there was definitely something up on Saturday. It was uh, it was pretty hairy at times. Uh, I think we made Dundee look a lot better than they have done in the first couple of games of the season. Really, I was, I was glad to get the, the three points, get it out of the way, get you know, get the players regrouped, and hopefully, hopefully, get some better performances for the the part of the game. So the opening goal came from a corner. We'd already had a set piece before that that had been obviously knocked out. Stevie May gets away from his man, heads at home. Now we've been kind of critical of the set pieces our early season again this year, but it was a pretty damn good ball into the box, wasn't it, Martin? It was, yeah, it was. Uh, it was, uh, it was a, a great ball in and a, a good bit of movement from May as well. And it was, uh, yeah, I mean, at that point it was it was deserved. Aberdeen had started pretty well, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I thought we would kick on from that point and, and go and kind of dominate the game. But, uh, yeah, it just shows what, uh, what May's bringing to the team at the moment. It was a, it was a great, great header. And then, obviously, um, the, the goal later on as well, which was an absolute... Beauty just a bit took the took the net off. So yeah, I'm really really pleased with the impact that, that May's uh, made. I thought he might uh, you know might take a, a wee bit of time to bed in, um, especially after the long injury that he had this season as well. I thought he might be you know might take him a few games to get going, but he's, he's certainly looking sharp. That's one thing Scott that May brings to the team. He's got that ability just to find that little bit of space away from his man. Once you saw him in that little bit of space, you had pretty much a, a lot of faith that he was going to knock that in, weren't you? Absolutely. I was actually asked to. Um get some images of Gary Mackay, Stephen and uh, Stevie May and one thing I will say about Stevie May is the guy doesn't stop he's always moving and yeah he did get the better of the defender that was marking him and it's it's his movement that makes that and it was a great finish with the head as well absolutely fantastic well have I mentioned about the conditions it wasn't the, it wasn't the nicest I did for Tawdry I don't know about you Richard but in the south stand I was absolutely soaked I've seen your pictures from section Y Martin um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably the worst conditions I've seen at Picardie for a, a long, long time. I managed to brave it for a while, but I must admit that the, the, the half-time uh, downpour, I, I, I couldn't brave that. I uh, didn't admit that on Twitter, obviously. I thought I'd just have to <laughs> now. So, um, but I, even I had to, to take, uh, take cover at half-time. It was absolutely biblical, it really was. So, Scott, when the weather's that bad, whether it's whether it be, whether it be rain, whether it be snow, how much more of a challenge is it for that, uh, that weather? Or... Do you feel that maybe you can get like a bit more, not not iconic, but you no know, some better images? You can um, if you really slow the shutter down on the camera. You can get like a really nice sort of um, lots of line effects with the the rain just falling down, and if the player's standing still, it, it looks looks amazing. Um, it's kind of like a, if you set a camera up and you want to get like shooting star effect, it kind of looks like that with the rain, um, providing the player stays very still. The only other challenge is the light because obviously when the, the clouds come in and the heavens open up, there isn't that many. Um, the, the light goes down. So I, I've never photographed a game like that before in terms of when the conditions were just changing constantly. Um, I mean, the, the gear I'm using is great. So, you know, everything's weather sealed, thankfully. For any camera buffs out there, it's like a, a Canon 1DX Mark II I'm using. So, you know, it's, it's totally weather sealed. So it shouldn't be that much of a difference in terms of the rain or if anything gets wet it just does what it's expected to do but hailstones at half time rain I've never seen section Y in the front of the south stand clear so quickly <laughs> in the space of a minute of the referee blowing, blowing the whistle um, 
I was out there in the hole, just 45 minutes of it, battering nonstop, just horrible. And here I am now with a, a, a bad headache and what I think is a, a cold coming on. <laughs> A special mention, I think, has to go to the two poor ball boys that had to walk around with that half-time drawboard as well. Oh. Um, I hope they, I, I, I hope they got, I hope they got an extra pie or something when they got back in, just as a reward. Um, I don't think they get any money, so um, hopefully they got something. I went in after the game, way up to the media office to edit the photos, and um, the, my boss Mal, Malcolm Patton, he heard me before he seen me because my my shoes were just squelching around the corner. <laughs> Bad, bad times. Yeah. Second half begins. Dundee, they convert one of their chances through Rory Deacon. Terribly slack ball by Ryan Christie. Gives the ball away in the first instance. Now, I want to put to you guys, um, I've read different accounts of who's to blame. Christie giving the ball away. Yeah. Is Andy Constein backing off too much or should Joe Lewis stop it or is it a combination of both? Richard? I don't think Constein deals with it brilliantly. He does show him out wide. But I would like to see him engage him further up the pitch because it wasn't one-on-one at that point. There were other guys behind uh, Andy who who could have covered if uh, Deacon had been able to get past him. So I don't think Gontenheim was great. Obviously, the issue in the first place is Christie, and he did it numerous times, just trying to do too much with the ball, treating the ball with enough respect. The contrast, I think, when Greg Stewart came on, I think that was a really important change for us because... Greg did really, really well to hold on to the ball, to retain possession, to just give us a bit more of a foothold in an attacking area. And the contrast was very, very clear. Even though Stewart wasn't necessarily involved in the winning goal the moment that won us the game, I, th- I thought he was a, a good move for us and someone, uh, just a contrast between Christie, you can make things happen by trying flicks and things. Saturday, it just wasn't coming off for him at all. Andy Constantine, as I say, doesn't cover himself in glory to my eyes. He does put him out wide. It looked from my view, certainly, that it went kind of through Joe, Joe Lewis. And the TV pictures have uh, seemed to back that up. To use the standard uh, cliche about goalkeeping, he'll be disappointed to have been beaten <laughs> at his near post. I, I, I yeah. might send that to Dave Priest and see what he says about that. It, it wasn't brilliant. I think he's anticipating a, cross, uh, a shot across him and... Yeah, I think that's a, a little bit harsher on Lewis. We, as you said, Martin, we were up in section wise, we were right behind the, the shot as it was taken. It kind of went through Considine's legs, and there's, there's somebody behind Considine as well. I think it might be Reynolds who's kind of putting a boot in time to stop it as well. So by the time it gets to Lewis, it's came through kind of two sets of legs. He sees it really late, and okay, he's maybe like fractionally, fractionally slow getting down to it. But as I said, by the time he, he kind of even saw it, it was almost past him already. So. I won't put too much blame on, on Lewis for that one. It's a really good hit. I think we have to say that. He, he makes a very, very good connection. So he, he does very well to get that much power behind it. But uh, but yeah, I was surprised to see it with that trajectory going. I think I think the guy Deacon had a good game overall, actually. He seemed to be a, a, you know, a constant kind of threat. Um, I've seen him in a few other games this season as well and, and thought he looked fairly fairly decent. So, yeah, I think he's maybe one to watch for the, the rest of the season. He, could, he, might, he might have a good one for, for Dundee, I reckon. I think maybe everybody was expecting Scott Allen to be their kind of main outlet, and he is the kind of guy who wants the ball all the time. But Deacon was the one who really impressed. I mean, I don't think Allen really impressed at all, did he? Well, that that Missy had later on in the game was <laughs> horrendous. Thankfully for us, I mean, he yeah. was, it was open goal really, and he, he screwed it wide from about six yards out. But no, I, I, I don't think he did much really, Allen, in the, the game. As I said, Deacon and. Uh, the other guy that they had in, in central midfielder, the, the ex-Arsenal guy, Kamara, is it? I think uh, both of them were, were fairly good, but Alan was, was fairly anonymous from, from my point of view. 
Yeah, well, like you just mentioned there, no, Dundee really, really should have scored a second goal. Scott, I don't know how Scott Allen managed to miss that open goal from 10 yards out. I mean, if that was one of our players, we'd be, we'd be going absolutely bananas. Um, and we were creaking at that point, weren't we? Yeah, we'd be accosting them, would we? That, that was the big turning point. And as I'm saying, I think that it's just this defence. So I'm just so glad that that didn't go in, <laughs> thankfully. But, you know, it was really close. And you know, the reaction of the stadium was just, come on, guys, get yourselves sorted, get organised and... Let's get going. I, I genuinely think for the first couple of games this season, our, our goal is just literally to outscore the opposition. <laughs> the way it's looking, we're so attack-focused. And yeah, it's great if we can go and score a few goals every game, but we are going to come up against a lot better teams than the, the teams we've played, and um, it's going to show. Well, we're relying on individual moments at the moment to get us through games. It, it, we've not had a flowing team performance yet. And I really include for 90 minutes uh, each of the European games as well. You know, we, we played well in spells at home to uh, Apollo and Limassol. And the second half in um, Herzegovina was was impressive. Yeah, fits and starts so far. Three games, three wins. It's, uh, it seems a bit churlish to be complaining about uh, the performances. But uh, we're not where we want to be. And I'm sure Derek McInnes would acknowledge that as well. Yeah, I think as much as we've spoken about the defence, the, the mix in the midfield, and I've said it, said it a few times since the game uh, on Saturday, the, the mix in the midfield to me just doesn't seem... Seem right at the moment. I think you kind of said it earlier on, Richard, that having Christie and playing in the same team, both kind of wanting to occupy the same type of positions behind the striker, it's not working for me at the moment. I think having Christie out wide totally nullifies what he's all about, and likewise in the playing, really. So to me, it's got to be one or the other. And I think based on what we've seen so far this season, I, I would have I would have Christie in there before <coughs> before Kenny. Kenny was had a great second half of the season last year, obviously, but Christie's got that ability to, to open up a, a defence. To me, Kenny maybe just doesn't. I'd, I'd, I'd be playing Ryan in behind the, the striker at the moment. If I felt there was a, an available, more defensively minded midfielder available right now to us that was obvious, I'd be Sam McLean because it's quite clear he's, he's not going to extend his contract. So, that, of course, you need a buyer to sell somebody. But uh, in this situation, I don't know. I don't know if it's right to, to be playing a guy who's here on loan ahead of your own player. It's a tough one. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's not a play Christie all the time isn't a long term solution, is it? But playing a guy he's not gonna be here next year, isn't either? Yeah, yeah, effectively. Um I'd love to have him, absolutely love to have him, but um I think his Celtic wages are, are just going to be a bit too much for us. Certainly, something interesting to think about. I, I do think that there's been rumours that there was, you know, there was a bid by Rangers for Kenny McLean, and it'd be interesting to see what's happening with you now their manager if they do make a make another bid from. I mean, they, I don't think they've got any money, but um, if they want him, they're going to have to pay for him because I don't like. I think you're 100 percent right there, Richard. He's he's not going to sign. No, I'd rather play Christie than McLean. To be honest, I think no, we know who's a more talented footballer. Unfortunately. We've got to remember we also paid paid money for for McLean as well, yeah. so the, the club have got to at least be looking to, to recoup that. They're only going to do it by selling him now. I think you'd be you know, be looking for a, a pre contract in January. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with Richard if, if it's clear he's not going to sign a new contract, then probably just have to, to bite the bullet and, and think about selling him. And, and probably you know even if Christie is a, a short term solution, he's, a, he's 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 doing more for the team at the moment than, than McLean is in, in my opinion. I also just feel that if the right players out there, we can help the squad balance as well. If we were to, if we were to uh, sell them in this window, but again, you need a buyer and a buyer who's going to pay uh, offer something acceptable. Uh, the offer from the Rangers was apparently three hundred thousand. I mean, that's laughable. 
You do also need the money up front, which I would imagine they don't have anyway, so... It's not going to happen, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't earn 300000 from their European exploit. They don't have that money there. Talk about this. We'll talk about the second Aberdeen goal. Um, I don't think you'll ever find a more bizarre um, set of circumstances to happen at Pataudry. Uh, a double injury to two of their players, Haber and El-Baktoui. Neil McCann, I think, is hugely at fault by not having subs ready. As soon as, you know, as, soon as you see two players go down, you should have the subs warming up. And then... Aberdeen break forward. Dundee player doesn't camera doesn't try to play the ball out. Uh, Martin no changes, are, so they couldn't make any changes. And then the goal mouse scramble breaks to Stevie May. Poor management by Dundee, really. Um, but that doesn't disc- discount the fact that it was absolutely a phenomenal goal. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a weird one, definitely. Uh, we were we were screaming at the time for Aberdeen to go and put the you know put the, the screw on them because it, it was yeah. uh, it was obvious Dundee were toiling at that point. They were down to nine men, and you know you could see a, an opportunity there. So kind of initial shot from Shinny Lucas that was flying in, they managed to get a body on the line but you know the ball breaks to, to me I couldn't even really see who it was at the time it was that kind of congested <laughs> up there and the, the conditions being what they were and I thought it was Maynard that had scored for a start but the, the strike yeah, it was just it was incredible like, I don't think the, the TV pictures do it justice to be honest um, seeing you know seeing it in person it was it was absolutely unstoppable and uh, as I said almost took the net off and uh, it was just a relief all round in the, in the crowd when that one hit the back of the net It's precisely what I was going to say that I being there, you and then watching it on TV, it, it seemed so much quicker at the time. It just flew yeah. in, absolutely flew in. And if the net wasn't there, it would still be rising now, I suspect. It was <laughs> such a sweet strike. And again, it's just a, a glimpse of what he's capable of. Adam Rooney in that six-yard box is brilliant at scoring goals. So going off his shin, off his arse, whatever. The sweetness of that Stevie May strike, though. Just a completely different type of centre-forward. Would it be fair to say that I think that's what maybe what Stevie May needed in his first game? A couple of goals, just to any kind of doubts about his his fitness or his ability or why he's here. You, you look at that, Scott. He goes and puts two two goals in, and suddenly he's the hero, and everybody loves him already. Yeah, I mean it was just uh, it was in the script, was it? He's clearly learned his history. Eleventh of May, blah blah blah. All know that. The thing is, here I'm so glad the ball didn't go a play because I can only assume. I mean, Adam Rooney was geared up, ready to go on, and I honestly think that if. If the ball had went out of play, I think Stevie May was on his way to the sub-bench and Rooney was coming on. But then Adam was still sitting his arse by Derek, so because Stevie scored his goal and he was on his hat-trick. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm chuffed he did what he did and what a cracking finish as well. Actually, I actually feel a bit sorry for Rooney in a way because he's, he's obviously been the, the main man for the past few seasons. You know, the service he was getting from McGinn Hayes it was ideal for him. Balls into the box and, you know, he obviously got the... The twenty plus goals for the past three seasons, and I couldn't have seen Emdy coming in and replacing him really. But I think the the slightly different style of play we've got now maybe maybe doesn't quite suit him uh, as much as it did before. A bit more intricate build up maybe, and yeah, as I say, it pains me to say it almost. But even just in a couple of games that May's played, his his movement and his his kind of awareness is is, is a level up to what Rooney offers. To be honest, there. Uh, for both the goals on, on Saturday, May's, May's kind of movement to, to get on the end of the header, first of all, and then just to find that little bit of space for the shot was, was kind of next level and maybe maybe what we'll be looking for to take, to take us up a notch. So he's got to be the main man for me uh, at the moment. It seems harsh to say it, Richard, but we seem to have outgrown a 20-goal-a-season striker. Well, I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, as we said the other week about Jaden Stockley, I think there'll be plenty of games this season where Adam Rooney will will have a role to play. I think also, I mean, surely we've, we've all, everyone on this podcast has, uh, understands that the whole Derek McInnes only has a plan A thing has been blown well out of the water. And I think we will see 
at times too up top, maybe not from starter games, but definitely um, as games go on. And I think uh, May and Rooney could work very, very well as a, as a duo together. So I, I think there's lots of interesting possibilities. You talk about teams needing four good strikers. We maybe don't have four really good strikers, but we've got four very different strikers. Uh, each bringing something different into the mix, and I think that's uh, that's quite a good thing to have. But keeping him happy, obviously, in that situation may be difficult. And again, it's it's one of the challenges that uh, the manager's going to have. It's a good problem to have, to be honest. The change in the squad depth, it's been year on year, I find. First, we a season of maybe nine or ten players who were of the quality you wanted, and now we're up to having 15, 16 players of that quality, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. good. I think there are parts of the team, obviously, where we could do with a bit more depth. I think that's clear. <laughs> it's very, very top-heavy at the moment, but it has yeah. been a, a gradual thing year on year, and I think we, we've done really well, given the guys we've lost, given the quality we've lost to be in a situation where we can look at that squad and think, yeah, it's probably better than last year. Just, just when you're saying that, there, Richard, about the four strikers, do we, do we expect Stockley to still be here at the end of the transfer window? It seems so far kind of down the pecking order now, and, and even you know, even if we're chasing a game and lumping highballs into the box, it, it, I've seen nothing from Stockley really to suggest that he's, he's a man thrown in that situation. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was if he was gone before the end of the, the transfer window. Um, but I don't know, what do you guys think about that? Well, his record off the bench is actually pretty good. He scored quite a few goals, six, six I think, last season off the bench. So yeah. he's shown that he can, at a certain level, change and impact games. But again, he's maybe one that, like Adam Rooney, needed that style of football that Johnny Hayes and Niall McGinn gave you, crosses from the byline. It's a hard one. The thing is, I don't see anyone from the under-20s stepping up quite yet. Conor McLennan might be that sort of mould of player. I think he's probably more of a Stevie May, to be perfectly honest, that kind of bustling type. So, again, if he goes out, it's bringing a completely unknown quantity in. I think Derek McInnes probably still likes Jaden Stockley, but the problem he's got that the fan base are almost unanimously against him. Yeah, I think he was so ineffective in the European games. That was probably the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people. He, you know, he just offered nothing at all. But maybe, maybe, maybe it's playing at that level up was was, was difficult for him. Maybe at S, you know, SPFL level again this season, he'll be he will be a decent option off the bench. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of people saying that they'd rather he went over uh, Story. You know, uh, Story was just starting to show a, a wee bit, uh, obviously, and he's he's couple of run-ins that he's had. Certainly, a, a lot better, a better option for me than, than Stockley was. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to, to maybe see him moving on before the, the end of the window. I think I've done like some does. some changes. I think if I was looking at the squad right now, I'd be thinking that Craig Story is probably one that's going to be mutually consented on the evening of the thirty-first. Some of the kids will probably go out and loan as well, but I think he'd, he'd ideally, even though we only generally start with one striker, I think he'll definitely would like to keep four of them around. But again, it depends on how unhappy the player is. If you listen to what he said about Miles Story moving on, there was talk about there being an agreement for him to, to move on to get more game time. And Stockley's had a reasonable amount of game time, I think, certainly compared to Miles Story. So I'm not sure we can quite use that argument yet. It was a, certainly a good win anyway, um, when I think it would be fair to say that we weren't f- definitely weren't firing on all cylinders. Christie's afternoon was topped off by his miss late on to make it 3-1. When you're kinda, your top players aren't really firing, to win at home is should be expected anyway, but it's nine points out of nine. 
it's really important to get those points on the board early. And we're we're five points ahead of the team that were third last season. We're still joint top as well, so it's certainly it's certainly positive so far. Now we're going to move on to our next topic now, which is our brand new feature, which is uh, AFC McMastermind. welcome our first contestant on to McMastermind. Name? Martin Stone. Years supporting the Dons? Uh, a long time, 20 ish. <laughs> and specialist subject? The Jimmy Calderwood years. Martin, your questions on the Jimmy Calderwood years start now. Which former Leeds United player scored the first goal of the Calderwood era, one of five in total for the club? Aberdeen's first win under Jimmy Calderwood came at which ground? Uh, Tannadis. No, it was East End Park. Which player was loaned from Holland during the winter transfer window of 2006? Oh, uh, Fernsnoil. Correct. Whose cross was converted by a tumbling Darren Mackey to give the Dons the lead against the Nipro Petrovsk in October 2007? Uh, Richard Foster. Correct. Against what side did Aberdeen lose 4-1 in the Scottish Cup quarter-final in season 2004-05? Uh, Scottish Cup quarter-final... Dundee uh, United. Correct. From which club did Aberdeen sign Tommy Wright in August 2008? Oh, uh, Darlington. Correct. How many European matches did the Dons play under Jimmy Calderwood's charge? Oh, uh, Eight. Correct. Jackie McNamara signed for Aberdeen in summer 2007. From which club did he move on a free transfer? Mm. Oh. It was Wolves. Which midfielder left the club at the end of Jimmy Caldwell's first season to move to Luton despite a contract offer? Luton. Uh, yeah. Not pass. Who scored the only hat-trick during the five seasons Jimmy Calderwood was in charge? Steve Lovell. Barry Nicholson. Who scored twice for Aberdeen in the 3-4 Scottish Cup semi-final defeat to Queen of the South at Hamden? Uh, Andy Considine. Correct. Aberdeen's pre-season tour... <laughs> I've started, so I'll finish. <laughs> Aberdeen's pre-season tour in 2007 took them to which African country? Uh, Egypt. Correct. Martin Stone, you scored seven points. You passed on. You passed on two questions. Which former Leeds United player scored the first goal of the Jimmy Caldwell era? Uh, that was Noel Whelan. Uh, of course, yeah. And which midfielder left the club at the end of Jimmy Calderwood's first season to move to Luton? It was Marcus Heikkinen. Ah, okay. Yeah, right enough. Well done, Martin. 
as bad as I was expecting. <laughs> well, well done, Martin. And even if that does bomb, at least you know fine that you'll be top of the leaderboard forever. <laughs> Before we move along as well, I just want to say on behalf of all of us on the podcast, I know we've been we've sometimes been a bit arsy about them over the, the, the last few episodes as well, but um, obviously Jimmy Calderwood was our specialist subject there. We wish him well in his, his fight against Alzheimer's as well. It's an absolute shite disease for him to have. And he may have split opinion at Aberdeen, but uh, on behalf of all of us here, we do wish him the best. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We have our upcoming game this Saturday as well. Aberdeen are away to Partick Thistle. Now, Partick Thistle are struggling this season. They have had three league defeats so far. Um, now, unfortunately, their run included Hibbs, Celtic, St Johnston, and now, Martin, they play us. You almost kind of feel a bit sorry for them, don't you? You do well. Yeah, you do a wee bit. As long as we, uh, as long as we beat them on, uh, on Saturday, yeah. and I may feel a wee bit sorry for them, yeah. I'd, I'd kind of tip them to have a, a good season. Partick, uh, I think they've got uh, the makings of a, a decent squad there. Managed to, to hang on to their manager again. Um, despite a bit of interest from down south, I think so. Yeah, I think the pool will be all right uh, over the course of the season. I'm just hoping they, they don't click into gear uh, this Saturday, obviously. But I, I mean, you looked at the fixtures at the beginning of the season. I think the first four, we said, you know, without being too uh, big-headed about it, if, if Aberdeen played to their to their potential, then it could be, you know, it could be 12, 12 out of twelve. So. We'll need, to, we'll need to be better than we were uh, starting the past, that's for sure. But if we, you know, if we show up and, and players are on their game, then there's, there's no reason why we can't be getting the, the three points down there as well. I mean, we've had good, we've had good results against them last season, Scott. I mean, we're 1-2-1. There was the 6-0 game at the end of the season. I think that's probably, you can't read too much into that. Um, they definitely did look like they're on the beach. If you're going to win the league, if you're going to finish second, if you're going to have runs in tournaments, it's one of the games, like Martin said, there you've got to, you've really got to be winning, don't you? Yeah, this is the uh, the type of teams we need to be beating consistently, and I, I genuinely think these these guys here are just going to sit back, try and make it really difficult for us, and try and get us on a set piece. I, I really think that's what's going to happen, and if we can break down, you know, we've got the players to be a lot more sort of creative, and if we can break teams like this down and. I hate to say this, but you know they're going to sit back an awful lot. If we were to come away with this one nil, two one, then I'd be I'd be reasonably happy with that. A win, a win's a must. Club like us now, we we don't want to draw, we don't want to lose, we just want to win. And these are the games where I have to go out and just do our thing. I don't want to be too much like we should be beating these teams because that's a very it's a very Celtic and the Rangers kind of attitude where you expect these teams to kind of just roll over to us. No, there's a chance of us getting a really good run on here where you could we could go eight or nine games undefeated. Um, and get a really a really good um, set of points on the board, isn't there? I think the expectation within Pataudry will be that we go there and win. I think that's for sure. Uh, I think Partick's league run, I was surprised when when you noted that, that they lost all three games. It is a tough run. They did, of course, go to Perth, beat St Johnston 3-0 in the League Cup, so that's a little indication of what they're about, what they're capable of, certainly this season. There's not been too much change. They obviously lost Liam Lindsay during the summer, and uh, it'll be a tough game. Park Thistle last season played some very good football against us, looked a little bit toothless. They've tried to address that. They've made, in the context of the SPFL, two good striking signings, Connor Salmon and Miles Story. Uh, the chances of Miles Story coming back and biting us on our arse are no doubt quite high because that always happens to us. <laughs> our away form has been sensational, particularly domestically, and we are actually going for a club record. If we win, it'll be the eighth straight domestic away win seven successive in the league which uh, matches the league record matches that achieved in 1936 and 1971 but the eight domestic games that would be a new record so again it just shows the great consistency we've had away from home and this team 
certainly last season's team were very well set up to play away from home, and you you kind of feel that there's enough confidence about the place that we should be going there and, and looking to win, absolutely. I don't think, Martin, that there's much point in us trying to second-guess any kind of lineups. I mean, it's it would be kind of the thing where, because we only had one change last week, Derek might make four or five and you know make us look like complete idiots. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard to call at the moment. I think if there's one player I would like to see coming in, it's probably uh, Scott Wright again. They obviously demolished him down there last time, albeit against a, a bit of a makeshift uh, side for part. Like, you know, I, I think these, these away games where we're going to be maybe hitting on a break, a wee bit. Uh, these are ideal for for the uh, right, and I think, as I said, it would kind of solve the the problem of playing Christie out wide, get right uh, on there, and move Christie into the middle, and uh, let, let's see what they can uh, what they can do. I think uh, you know, in the games that Wright's had this season, he's he's impressed me. I've I've been banging the drum about for for long enough. I think he's he's kind of deserving. He's he's chancing the team now. He's he's, he's proven it at the at the first team level. So apart from that, keep it fairly. Fairly similar to what we had. If if Arneson's back up to to full like kind of match sharpness, maybe bring him in at the central defence. But I, I guess it's we're kind of between a rock and a hard place. You know, we want to keep it fresh, but we also want to you know give us new system and new players a bit of time to, to bed in and get to know each other. So I, I don't think I'll be wholesale changes. Maybe maybe one or two keep it keep it fresh. But we've got the international break coming up after after this game, obviously. So. There shouldn't be any, uh, any excuses about tiredness or, or anything like that. They should all be ready to go and ready for a ready for couple of weeks off because none of them have made the, uh, the Scotland squad again. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I, was, I wasn't going to mention that. The Scotland squad is the Scotland squad. Gordon Strachan clearly has his favourites. As an Aberdeen fan, I'm, I'm quite delighted that none of our players are going to be going away just sitting, sitting on their arse doing nothing. But it, it's getting to be a bit tiresome now. I mean, my, my interest in the Scottish national team, Richard, has just basically disappeared. There's quite a few slices in there. You can definitely He has stuck with guys who he has picked in the past. And I find it if you get into that team, into that squad, it's, almost, it's very, very hard almost to get out again. The John McGinn one is has been the real uh, one for me. I mean, he he's done very very little in the game. He's he did well at championship level for Hibs. Has he really proved himself at the top in the top flight in Scotland? Not really. Um, certainly, whilst at St Mirren, Kenny McLean did far far more for St Mirren than John McGinn ever did. There were some curious selections there, but again, more of guys who are being kept in the squad. Graham Shinney can definitely feel. A little bit aggrieved not to even be in the conversation for a number of different positions. I mean, we're calling back up the reanimated corpse of Stephen Whitaker to play right back, I see. <laughs> well, Graham Shinney could quite easily fill in at right back. Although, obviously, it will be one of Robertson and Tierney that will actually play right back that day. But again, just a squad uh, cover. You would think that Shinney would be a, a, a sensible pick there. And even up front, I mean, again... Compare what Ryan Christie's done in a top flight in Scotland for a number of seasons. OK, his Celtic career hasn't taken off, but for Cali Thistle for a number of years and obviously with us over the course of uh, the last eight months. Again, compare that to what John McGinn has done in the top flight, where it matters. Some of the selections are consistently bewildering, but it's loyalty to guys who have failed us in the past that I find most strange. The, the refusal to pick informed players that he's, he's picking the known quantities rather than the you know the guys that are really uh, on hot form at the moment that, that does my head and Christie is the one for me out of our team at the moment that, that should be in there maybe not maybe not as a starter I said it to someone earlier on he's the one player that I've seen in the SPFL this season and probably last as well that's got that ability to pick a pass through a, a packed defence and, and really you know be that creative 
spark, you know, we're drawing against, who is it, we've got Malta and Lithuania who were drawing with them with 10 minutes to go against that attack defence, he's, he's exactly the type of guy you want to be bringing on to try and open it up and, and create a chance for the, the strikers, there's none of the guys that are in that squad at the moment that have got the same kind of natural talent and, and creativity as, as Christie's got, but he's, you know, he's probably miles away, we, we obviously don't know how, how close he came to getting a call up, but it just seems... Just seems, as I say, Strachan's certainly picking the same group of players, you know, time in, time out, regardless of form. And especially if you're wearing, wearing a, the red Aberdeen, then you, you seem to have absolutely no chance whatsoever. Um, only, only surprise is that Ryan Jack's not made it in there. <laughs> <laughs> give it time, Martin, give it time. It's coming. <laughs> Well, much like much like the rest of us, Brian Christie is going to be watching that game from his, his sofa. Part of game this Saturday, we'll have updates on the Twitter feed for you guys. That brings us to the end of our show this evening. I want to thank you all for joining and listening. What a special thanks to Richard Hay. Thank you very much, Richard. <laughs> thank you, Martin. Thank you. Very special thanks to Martin Stone. You can catch Martin at the unmodernman.net. Thanks again, lads. Really enjoyed it. Cheers. Yep, and a special thanks to Scott Baxter as well. And you can find him at scottcarmenbaxter.com. Um, you can see some of the great pictures he's taken at Pataudry um, and some of the, the dons as well. Thanks very much for coming on, Scott. Yeah, thank you very much for having me back on. I appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. That brings our show to the end this evening, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you for listening to us. And we'll be back with you with another show next week. Good night. Good night.